Welcome to my podcast and a special series that I'm doing during my municipal election campaign, uh, focusing on some very interesting constituents, people who are in the public eye. And uh, of course, I served on council for 10 years when he was the mayor. Now he's been our MP. It's hard to believe for six years already. Uh, it seems like just yesterday. Uh, I'm with uh, my constituent, Anthony Hellsfather. Welcome, Anthony. Hey, thanks, Mike. Great to be here with you. Well, it's, it's, it's great to have you in here. And not only am I in campaign mode, but you're in more of a campaign mode with the election coming September 20th. And uh, how's the campaign been going? You are really out there. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I always make sure of is you always run as if you're 10 points behind, like you do, right? That's right. So we make sure to go to every door that we can. We make sure to call everybody. We make sure to, you know, just work your butt off. I mean, that, that's how an election campaign is supposed to be run. You're always supposed to be accessible to your constituents, just like you are, Mike, right? We always answer emails. We always answer phone calls all four years, not just the time of the election so that people know we're always around. But one of the things during an election campaign is you do the added uh, effort of going out um, and meeting as many people as possible day after day after day. So my job during an election is to go to door to door six hours every day, um, obviously not uh, on high holidays, but other days um, and meet as many people as possible. Well, I think it's one of the things I learned from you, Anthony, very early on, because I remember going door to door with you 16 years ago when I first ran for council. And I think one of the things you taught me was that, you know, don't just wait for an election. And that's what I do. Just like you, I'm, I'm in election mode for four years during my mandate. And, uh, and I know you've been that. I, I said it in my blog, uh, you know, when people go to the polls in Mount Royal, and I say this very honestly, you look and vote for your MP. People might like Trudeau, they might not like Trudeau, but I'm voting for the man on the ballot, that's Anthony Housefather, and I can tell you, and I've said this to you off the record, uh, that you're the most successful MP we've probably ever had in Mount Royal in terms of, you know, you're, you almost act like an MP, pseudo city councilor, pseudo mayor, you're there for, people come to you still for municipal issues, they come and talk to you about speeding on Mark Chagall, I know they do. <laughs> I, I agree, I mean, I think that's the good thing, right? I mean, when you're at any level of government, whether you're the city councilor, the mayor, or the MP, um, or the MA, you've got to need to you need to work with other levels of government because people are going to come to you confused about who's responsible for what. And you've got to be able to channel them to the right person to be able to help them. And the good thing with having all of those years on city council, I generally know in each of the cities in our riding who the right person is to help them with whatever issue they have, whether it's a tree on their on their in their backyard that they want to cut, whether it's that they're unhappy that their compost collection wasn't picked up last week, um, whether they're unhappy with the uh, furniture in the park, uh, or, you know, all of these things, we're there not just to tell them, hey, I'm the federal MP and this is a municipal issue, but say, okay, well, this is the person you go to for that. And this is the best way to get them to pay attention to your concern. And, and I think you do that, I do that. And that's, again, that, that's what makes you a good constituency counselor, um, the way I'm a good constituency MP, because in the end result, you've got to help your constituent. Exactly. So Anthony, what has it been like campaigning in a pandemic election? It's different. I know I'm doing it myself, but you're doing it six hours a day. Uh, not easy. No, it, it, it's very different. And I haven't, like, I, I, one of the things that I'm doing makes it easier than you, right? Your district has so many condos and apartment buildings that yeah. you cannot just go perhaps to the doors of single family residents and townhouses and 
you know, you're not reaching enough of your constituents. Whereas I, during this election campaign, have chosen because of, you know, feeling that it's safer for my volunteers, for myself, and for the residents in the high rises to not go into the building. So I'm doing doors at only single family homes and townhouses that have an outside front door. We're all wearing masks. Um, and then for the buildings, um, I'm reaching out in different ways through telephone calls and Zooms. Um, where, we, for example, we have a Zoom uh, on Thursday and a Zoom on Sunday for people living in the buildings where we're distributing literature for them to find out about it and register. Uh, because, you know, in a normal election, I would be going door to door through those buildings. But I, I just don't feel that I could. Now, one of the options I think that you're doing is standing in the courtyard and setting times for people to come meet you. And there's other ways of doing it, but we're not doing it in the natural way that we would normally be doing election campaigns. And we're not holding any rallies also. So, you know, I had no launch. I had no, normally we have like hundreds of people gathered together in an office where everybody comes and endorses you. Yeah. Didn't do it. So, yeah. so it's a different kind of election for sure. Well, listen, I, I will say that uh, I don't uh, envy people who are, uh, you know, not incumbents. Because first of all, when you're not an incumbent, you get to come to a public council meeting or a public meeting that you might have. They can't do that. Everything's uh, been on Zoom. Um, uh, you know, we have six. I have 16 years. You have six plus all the years you were mayor. So the fact is that I, I know people in all the buildings already. And I have people who are behind me. And in fact, I pivoted to Zoom like you did uh, a year and a half ago. So I've been having meetings with people in all these buildings for Zoom for a year and a half. So I, I don't envy people who are not incumbents. It's not been easy. But I think I think people respect that. Uh, but speaking of the pandemic, you've been a great spokesman for uh, our community. You've kept people up to date with these terrific newsletters. How do you feel your government has handled the pandemic? So, I mean, I think that other than the initial problems of sourcing the vaccine um, in February of last year, when both uh, Moderna and Pfizer were upgrading their facilities in Europe to be able to enhance their supply, um, we've done very well, right? Like we are now the leading nation in the G7 and the G20 in terms of percentage of vaccinations. And other than that one blip, the strategy that we followed to source as many different companies as possible so that we had the Moderna option, the Pfizer option, the Johnson & Johnson option, which we didn't end up using very much, the Oxford AstraZeneca option. I mean, it, it ended up meaning we had a plentiful source of vaccines um, you know, we couldn't compete originally or initially with the UK and the US that have domestic production, which is a real problem that we needed to fix. But overall, I, I think we've handled it well. Um, we've had a far lower death rate, a far lower infection rate than most Western countries. Um, and, um, and now we're seeing a population that is looking to get back to normal. And we as a government are saying uh, that we're going to fund the provinces to do vaccine passports that we're going to insist on vaccination for travel intra-provincially or internationally on planes, trains, buses, et cetera, so that people can feel safe getting back into their routine and in the world. Um, and, and finally, what I think was the most important, Mike, is we recognized that we had a real problem um, in this pandemic, which is that we didn't have domestic production of vaccines and domestic, productions of per, domestic production of PPE, personal protective equipment. And in the first few months, we were able to incentivize Canadian companies to switch and manufacture personal protective equipment, whether masks or, or whether uh, you know, the, the, the uh, clothing that doctors, nurses, et cetera, wear. 
and 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 that we we needed for certain industries, and we ended up now having enough domestic production of PPE um, to fulfill our needs without needing to source it from China or other countries. And we've now um, had seen uh, the Moderna's building a facility in Canada. Uh, we've seen uh, that we have in our own riding at the National Research Council, a production facility that can manufacture 36 million doses of vaccines per year. Um, and uh, sorry, 24 million to start with, but eventually more. Um, and, um, and, and, and these are all things, there's other facilities that are opening across the country. If there's another pandemic for booster shots, uh, for this for this pandemic and for any other thing that comes up in the future, we won't need to wait for some other country to produce it and ship it here. We can manufacture it ourselves. And that, you know, these are lessons we learned out of the pandemic. I think we've done well on that. When will that plant be ready? I think it's in TMR. When will that be it, ready? It, it opened. Oh, it, it opened it, already. The, really? the, plant, the, the, the plant is now ready. It's getting certified. So so basically the plant opened and uh, in uh just trying to think back to what month it was a couple months ago. So it was the end of June. Um, and then it went to get its certification. Um, so so the, the plant now is being certified. And once it's certified, it can produce vaccines. Now, the issue is Novavax, the company that is licensed, the li licensed to produce the vaccines, uh, the first vaccines at the facility, they still have not received their Health Canada approvals yet. Uh, they're still in trials. So uh, presuming that the, uh, the certification of the facility happens in the next couple of months and Novavax gets its Health Canada uh, approval, it'll be ready right away. Um, but but that, that facility would, if Novavax is approved, be able to produce vaccines this year. But this, this would not be Moderna or Pfizer. This would be a new vaccine that no one's taken before. That is correct. This would be Novavax, which is, well, people have taken it because they're in Health Canada of trials course, and yes. trials in other countries. So yes. it means that people are taking it in trials but we have not uh, yet approved the vaccine. But Moderna, uh, as you saw, has announced they will open a plant in Canada. Right. So the Moderna vaccine and successors to that vaccine can also now be manufactured in Canada. Anthony, as I said, you've been a great MP. Uh, you were a great mayor and you were a great borough councillor and you were a great councillor in Hampstead. You were a great president of Alliance Quebec. I can do your whole CV here. What, what, what are you most proud of since you've been an MP that you've accomplished? So there's a couple of things. Uh, first of all, Mike, I'll return the favor. You've been uh, an amazing city councillor for 16 years, right? There's nobody that is more responsive than you for District 2. Um, you know, with your district meetings that you started holding, setting an example for everybody, um, and you're building captains where you make sure that you reach out to every building. Uh, you know, uh, just what you're doing right now in the park on Mark Chagall related to making sure that seniors that live in condos nearby that park have a park that is geared towards seniors next year. Um, you know, all of these things, uh, you've been exemplary. Um, what am I proudest of? Um, well, I would say there's a few things. The reinstatement of the court challenges program. So in my first mandate, I was chairman of the justice committee and our first report, our first recommendation was to reinstate the court challenges program, which allows people to challenge provincial and federal laws that are in violation of the charter of rights on minority language or equality grounds. So it means that, for example, the contestation to Bill 21 could be funded through that program. Um, and people don't realize how important that is, but it means that there's an access for people to challenge unconstitutional laws or laws they deem to be unconstitutional when they don't have the money to do it. Um, and that's nonprofit groups, that is you know, individuals, et cetera. Um, there's the things that I've done for minority language rights, whether amending the Divorce Act to ensure you could divorce 
in English or French across the country. Or recently, a few months ago, before Parliament adjourned, I got amendments adopted to the Broadcasting Act at committee and in the House of Commons that said that the Broadcasting Act needed to favor productions in English in Quebec and in French outside Quebec. And the whole act needed to be interpreted in order to um, go for the enhancement and vitality of the minority language communities. Um, I was very proud of advancing the Genetic Discrimination Act. Uh, many in our writing, um, for example, as you know, have the breast cancer gene. Our dear colleague Ruth Kovac passed away um, of cancer um, not long ago, and several people in her family um, have had that gene um, that is more prevalent amongst Ashkenazi women. Um, I, I spearheaded a law um, along with Rob Oliphant and a couple of others through the House of Commons, even when the government didn't agree um, to ban genetic discrimination in Canada um, and to say that insurance companies and employers couldn't ask you for your genetic history or any tests that you had done so that people are more free to, to do their testing without worrying about the ramifications of it. Um, and, um, and the Supreme Court uh, ruled that that law was constitutional, even though some claimed it wasn't. So, I mean, I could point to um, any number of things, um, including, for example, the work I've done on anti-Semitism uh, in terms of uh, starting an international task force to fight online hate and spearheading laws in the House of Commons that, you know, have not yet been passed, but that would uh, require uh, online providers to take down hate speech uh, off their platforms. So um, there's a lot of things that I'm proud of, um, but the thing that I'm most proud of in all my political career is working for the demerger of Code St. Luke, Hampstead and Montreal West and having our cities exist today um, because I think those cities are jewels um, on the Montreal Island in terms of getting services and local proximity elected officials to their citizens. Um, and, uh, and I think that that is what I'll you know, most remember that I, that I, that I helped accomplish. Well, Anthony, keep up the great work. It's an honor to be your city councillor. And, and it's, it's pretty cool when you're, the member of parliament sends you an email as a constituent, I have to say. So keep up the great work. Good luck on the campaign trail and, and, and a big victory on September the 20th. Thanks so much, Mike. Have a great day. All right. Anthony Housefather has been my guest.